Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you for another week of IndyCar news, rumors, and more. Hello, Justin. Hello, friend. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Excellent. So we have a lot to discuss on the IndyCar side, but we're going to start on the F1 side only because, as always, it pertains to, Indi- to IndyCar. I mean, we, w- we wouldn't talk about it if it if it didn't uh, connect. So we're not going to do a lap by lap analysis of the U.S. Grand Prix. <laughs> no, okay. no, I don't. I don't think there was a whole lot of uh, whole lot to break down besides the first what two laps and then the final ten to fifteen, and even that wasn't really it much was to write home about. Contrived drama. I compared it to Lee Diffie trying to make everybody excited about a driver that's closing the gap to the leader. And he will not know. There, there's no way he's able to pass that person because of push to pass and all that. It was, it was contrived. I fast forwarded through the majority of the middle part of the race. You fell asleep watching the replay. <laughs> I dozed off, and I was watching it on like the Monday evening, you know, after right. the fact. So it's it's not like I was watching it late that night. No. I had 15 laps to go, and I dozed off right before the finish. Big rating uh, for for ABC, ESPN. Uh, It was great to see a lot of people in the stands, all that, all that. But, uh, yeah, Uh, in terms of the race, just, you know, another eh. Yeah, kind of meh. But the exciting part, I think, was all the off-track stuff. Sure. As we all know, Andretti Autosport, Michael Andretti, Colton Herta, Sauber, Alfa Romeo Racing, all of that, that was the storyline, I think, off the track, and, and definitely as it pertains to IndyCar. Michael Andretti trying to put together a deal. He supposedly had offered a, what, $250 million deal was kind of the rumor for the buyout to have a controlling stake in Sauber. But according to Chris Medland of Racer.com, we're not going to name any other sources simply because this is the most trustworthy source I've seen on this deal. I mean, I haven't seen anything else that, <laughs> I, that I can really go with. I mean, there are rumors that Colton Herta was going to get an FP1 uh, ride, and I, apparently they're negotiating for that. And even Callum Eilat was apparently trying to get an FP1 ride Which, with a different team. I feel like if if the deal would have come together, that was going to happen. So, But yeah. with it falling apart... There's no way. I mean, yeah, it's it's over for this year, and you know, Andretti's going to have to find another taker. But um, uh, from what I under from what I see, I, I think they came really close. Um, but you know, money talks, and sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. And I feel like with this, I think Sauber was like, "Oh, okay, you, you're going to give us this much. Well, then, hey, how about this much?" And it almost feels like a certain situation where they kind of kept moving the goalposts, so to speak. And uh, finally Andretti was like, look, we don't have that enough yeah. money. So Yeah, I, I think that ultimately was was the issue. Is Andretti had a solid offer. Sauber wanted a lot more money because the value of F1 clearly is going up. Right. I mean, compared to what it was five years ago. There's a great Twitter thread and I can't recall who it was. Did you see that thread about how F1 has grown, you know, their digital properties or whatever? It was, I saw one that was a chain that was, you know, seven reasons yes. why IndyCar or uh, Formula One was growing outside of Drive to Survive. Because I do really think while that is a big impact, it's it's 
narrow-minded to think that's the only reason. True, and and that broke it down, and that that is the thread I'm referencing. Step one, they opened up the digital side to allow the teams to actually post highlights. <laughs> I huh. mean, it's such, it's like such a simple thing. Yeah, but huh. that was Who'd the first thought? step. That was a big deal. <laughs> Obviously, Drive to Survive was a part of it, but it wasn't the only thing that uh, provided a way for F1 to, to gain a lot of traction in the U.S. I think Drive to Survive was the final thing that, that got everyone to, to catch on. But changing TV deals, having a free TV deal in the U.S. Uh, with no ads clearly has helped a lot. Well, because you got to think about this. Think about the casual fan that's flipping around on a Sunday morning in in America, and hey, Formula One's on, and you flip it on, and it's a commercial, and they flip back, flip away, and they never come back. You don't have to worry about that with Formula One broadcasts on ESPN. It's always on, so don't discount that because we've all kind of been there, channel surfing. You see something, you turn it on, it's a commercial. You flip away, you never come back, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a huge factor as well. It's unfortunate, in my opinion, that Andretti's not able able to put together this deal and and run the Alfa Romeo team. Now I just kind of wonder, you know, what options are there moving forward? The other thing was reportedly this had nothing to do with that SPAC, which I just find mind boggling because that's how we thought they were raising the money. Right, and I know there yeah. are reports that the Guggenheim family was Ooh. allegedly behind the the funding for the Guggenheims. Yeah, they're a big deal. They are. I couldn't tell you what they do, but I know no, they have me a neither. Lot but they've of been money. around. Like a Guggenheims <laughs> were on the Titanic, so and they, you know, it's a who's who of people on the Titanic. So it was Benjamin Guggenheim. I don't know. I just know they have the museum. Yeah, but I also like saying Guggenheim. Big. Yeah, it's a fun word to say. <laughs> But, you know, and you brought up an interesting point, though, Caleb, with the value of Formula One going up, that means the value of the teams are going to be going up. So if you can't commit to buying a a team in 2021, what's the price going to be in 2022 or 2023 if Formula One continues its upward trajectory? And we've seen teams change hands. I mean, Williams... They're not owned by the Williams family, even though they've kept the name, you know, Doralton Capital or whatever. They're the primary owner of that team. Alfa Romeo obviously was on the market, at least for the time being, for Andretti. And the other team that Andretti was, you know, people talked about, Haas, and Haas could leave. I feel like Haas will give it next year and then he'll leave if, if things continue to go poorly. And I but, I mean, feel, that's about it as far as teams that you think could come up for sale. Right. And I think you're in a better negotiating position as a buyer with a team that is looking to sell as opposed to just, you know, maybe we would, maybe we won't. I mean, if you have a team Haas that says we're getting out of the sport in a couple of years, that's a lot easier team to acquire, in my opinion. And I think after next year, I think you're going to have at least one, and I wouldn't be surprised to ha- see maybe two teams that are like, all right, this didn't work in 2022 like we all thought it would, and we're out of here. And remember, they're going to have that cost cap too, so the barrier of entry, in theory, is less. In theory, key phrase. In theory. That's always the big two words in Formula One. In theory. Do you think we'll see 
Michael Andretti make another bid for an F1 team, you know, in the next few years? Yes. I do too. I absolutely think so. I think this is, I'm sure he learned a lot this first go around. I'm sure his people learned a lot as well about the process and the pitfalls. I feel he comes back with um, a better situation maybe this time next year or, um, yeah, I, I could I could see it this time next year maybe pulling something off. But, you know, for to, to wrap it around with, with IndyCar, you know, we don't have to worry about Colton Herta going anywhere. For now. And Zach Brown and, and Michael Andretti are friends, they're business associates. They have a, a team in, what is it, supercars that they share. So, I mean, he gets a lot of advice and a lot of info from Zach, I'm sure, through this process, a lot of help and a lot of people – suggested that Zach may have been one of the backers for this effort along with you know many other people but he's learned a lot like you said I still think we'll see him try to put something together and I forgot you know there are a few articles he tried to put together a NASCAR operation several years ago that's right and then the Nathan Brown article in the Indy Star the other week he tried to buy IMS not that it really yeah. went anywhere but I mean he's trying to build a racing empire and he has He's done that, definitely with IndyCar and all the other teams he has, but he's still trying to find that next thing. Yep, most definitely. Always looking to add to the uh, you know, stable of Andretti properties. Now, the other related F1 thing, Nico Hulkenberg, longtime F1 driver, has not competed full-time in F1 since 2019. He did do a couple of fill-in races last year uh, for... That was for Alpine, right? Yeah. Well, it, it, then it was Renault. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's a guy who's been good in F1. I wouldn't say he's been great, but I think he's someone who would definitely be welcomed as far as on the IndyCar side. Second off the pace in the test at Barber earlier this week, David Malukas, the rookie, uh, running with Dale Coyne Racing. He actually had the top time. Again, testing times, it always depends on what your program is, what you're going through. Not going to put a whole lot of stock in testing times, except for someone who's you know a rookie or an outsider. So Definitely. I guess in this case for Malukas, it's impressive because he's going to be a rookie. We expect him with coin. Uh, Nathan Brown said that of the Indy Star. Also, David Malsher-Lopez. Pretty much everyone's reporting David Malukas to coin. Um, but with Hulkenberg... Bit of a wild card. He's a guy who kind of used IndyCar as leverage in years past to try to stay in F1. Yeah. Then he gets this test with Aaron McLaren SP. Goes pretty well. I mean, to me, second off the pace in your first time in an IndyCar is nothing to be ashamed of. I really feel that uh, that tests are more, in terms of times and placings, as long as you're not a distant last it's a good day for you. you know, I don't care who's first and fourth and seventh. Just as long as you're not three seconds off the pace at the at the uh, at the end, I think you're fine. But you know, as recently as last year, what he filled in for Racing Point last year, three races. That's right, Nico. Yeah, so um, I think it's a natural progression for his career. I feel like you know, all once again, a guy that's running into. All avenues back into an F1 seat or all avenues into an F1 seat are dried up or not going to happen. So if he's going to race some more at 34, he's got to look elsewhere, and he's following the trend that so many others have. Only even kind of admitted as much that his F1 days are probably over in a motorsport article talking about 
the test and, and getting that test set up, he, he basically said, you know, this is kind of the end of the road for me in, in Formula One. I don't really, you know, have any more opportunities to, to, to get anything there. So I'm hopeful that he'll race an IndyCar. I just, this is one where I just don't know what to expect. Me neither. Um, not every former F1 driver is going to come back and come over here and, and knock the socks off at everybody, but we'll see. But he, I definitely could see him in the seat for some races for with uh, Aero McLaren SP. Oh, for sure. And that, that third car, more on that in a second. But he said the train has probably left the station, was the, the quote uh, before on that one. But, yeah, it, it, it's great that he's interested. And I think what Grosjean's done, what Alonzo's done, it's changing a lot of minds for some of these guys. I guess the the next thing is, and we've talked about this before, okay, at first they're like, eh, I'm not really interested in IndyCar. It's a backup option. Then it turns to, yeah, I'll do the road and street course races, but I'm not interested in the ovals. Then they attend one oval race. and like, <laughs> okay, I think I want to do a test. Yeah. Well, you think I mean, it's especially... going to be the same progression with him? Uh, could be. I think the arrow screen opens all sorts of possibilities up mm-hmm. because I feel like more and more drivers just would have said, absolutely not, I'm not doing oval races if it was still open cockpit. So I could see a progression with Nico Hulkenberg, particularly if he, you know, next year you watch and Roman Grosjean has success on ovals as he gets acclimated. So uh, I think a lot of eyes will continue to be on Grosjean as he runs the full season next season. The uh, quote from... Hulk after the test. First time in an IndyCar, first time at Barber Motorsports Park, and overall I think it was a good and successful day. I definitely can confirm that these steering monsters are very physical cars. He adds, it took a while in the morning to feel comfortable, but in the afternoon the lap times and the performance started to come in, and it was great fun. Big thanks to Aero McLaren SP for this opportunity today. They're very professional work on track. So about that third car, IndyCar Deep Throat uh, telling us earlier in the week, uh, Nico Hulkenberg will be racing for McLaren next year. Apparently, he is very interested in giving IndyCar a go, and Zach Brown has given him the open opportunity for the third seat. Now, no idea on the schedule. We know that they will run as many races as possible in the third car. It's not expected to be full-time, but I believe it was Taylor Kyle or Zach Brown. I can't remember who quoted uh, as saying kind of where they're at with the test and, and what they're going to do. I think you know, it was for Kyle. the season. I think it was Kyle. Yeah. So we expect a third car, definitely for the Indy 500. You know, last year they ran the third car for Montoya. That was just the GP and the 500, correct? Or, yes. Or, well, this past season. Right. So I would expect a lot more. Now, depends on scheduling, depends on availability. Do they have multiple drivers? That I don't know. But they're definitely going to run more than just two races in that third car. I would I would agree. I could see Hulkenberg doing a handful of road and street courses, uh, races, and then maybe put somebody else in there for uh, the 500. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll do the 500. No, 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 no. I think that could be someone different. You know, Montoya, if he's interested, I don't know. You know, that would be the logical choice to me. Yeah. So other guys at the test. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood, Devlin DeFrancesco were there with Andretti. Also, Ryan hunter Ray with Ed Carpenter Racing. Now, I forgot about this, but pointed out in one of the racer articles, he tested with Ed Carpenter Racing in 2013 at Sonoma. 
because that was back when Andretti had Chevy power. Obviously, Ed Carpenter has Chevy currently still and did back then. So they kind of did a, a, a car swap. But that is a deal that it sounds like Roden Street's definitely on the table, depending on sponsorship, could be full-time. And IndyCar Deep Throat uh, saying that uh, Ryan hunter has really only spoken with Foyt and ECR. And as far as, you know, the possibility for, you know, a full season uh, comes down to, let's see here. He's got a lot of notes on uh, on all the testing <laughs> and, and everything. I think ECR is, is to me, it would be the best fit for Red Car- for uh, Ryan hunter Ray. I mm-hmm. feel. Whether it happens or not, who knows, but I, I think that'd be probably the best fit for him after, you know, considering once we knew he was leaving Andretti, wondering if he would get a full-time seat anywhere. To land a full-time seat potentially uh, and at ECR, I think, is is definitely a great thing. Yeah, so the the note from IndyCar Deep Throat, as it stands right now, Ed would be willing to put RHR in full-time alongside Renus VK, but would need funding to help hire Ryan Hunter on a full-time basis. As of now, possibility of part-time could happen. Uh also, Connor Daly uh, has a chance at being at Carlin next year. They're interested in Daly. Obviously, all this depends on Air Force. And kind of the phrasing of the quotes, they didn't necessarily tie in you know, Air Force with Connor Daly in the quotes on the test. Because, I mean, it ultimately comes down to if Air Force returns... Does Connor Daly return? One would assume, but I don't know if that's necessarily a, In, a done deal. I mean, if the Air Force would want to be on Ryan Hunter Ray's car, if he wants to fill a seat, he's an American. Yeah. So, you know, could that be an option? That That's the thing I think is curious. And, you know, even if he's not full-time running Broden Street Course races plus the 500, I mean, that is his best opportunity you're going to get. You're not going to get an opportunity, you know, full-time with anyone else that I think is even com- comparable, right? I mean, that right. that's probably the best thing on the table. We expect Sato and Malukas to be a coin. Foyt's not going to be a better option than Carpenter, especially when it comes to the 500. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it definitely could be an option, most definitely. And then uh, speaking of Foyt, so, again, we expect Dalton Kellett to return they are talking about running a third car, as we've mentioned before. And then it sounds like a ride share in the 14 board a when he doesn't have conflicts. And then, you know, it could be Tatiana Calderon could, could be someone else. You know, that, that is a whole other, whole other issue. Yeah. It's completely different. One <laughs> thing at a time here. Yeah. And so I think that kind of wraps up a lot of the IndyCar testing aspect and where things stand in the offseason. Not really a whole lot of driver rumors on the IndyCar side. You know, a lot of stuff on the latter side we'll get to a bit later on. Um, I guess where things stand, who do you think is in the best opportunity to kind of move up from where they've been that, that's left? In terms of the leftovers? Yeah. And move up is the key? Move up, and I'm not talking like lights to any car. I'm talking about the people left able to get a ride that will be deemed as 
not not a major step down or even a step up? Uh, I mean, I guess Ryan Hunter Ray is a step down. Um, but then again, the way that team has been running, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, that one to me is a question mark. Sato, yeah, Sato on would be the paper is a step down, but is I don't it really? Know. Is it really? I mean, you're going to get a rookie teammate, which always seems to be what Coin does. You get a veteran plus a rookie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of their standard right? procedure, except in 2020 when they had Polo and Ferrucci. Yeah, but and then like like we said, no idea what to expect at Foyt. And then there's the other interesting factor that we have not gotten to. Yes. And that is the reported combination of Hunkos and Carlin. Hey, hey, why didn't we think of this? Did we? Did we kind of mention something? Maybe a partnership? I don't think of this exact not, partnership. Not to but this I feel level. Like, They're both Chevy teams. Well, so. the, the partnership's being used in an interesting way because the more you delve into that story, the more it could be basically. Hunko's taking over Carlin. I mean, they could also partner. Uh, I think there's everything is on the table, but I, I don't see this traditional partnership where, you know, maybe where we see Carlin run a car, Hunko's run a car, and they work together. There's some other possibilities on the table. So in the story on racer.com, Marshall Pruitt says, uh, Hunko's Hollinger Racing is known to have an interest in fielding a second car, and Carlin... I said the team's fate and future IndyCar plans were subject to a swift decision as to whether it would carry on for a fifth season. Now, we know a lot of that is due to waiting on an answer from Max Chilton as far as what he wants to do next year. So that's part of the uh, part of the holdup on that. And Marshall mentions the options could be blending of the teams to purchasing assets to bolster Hunko's Hollinger Racing's future growth. Neither team commented. No surprise there. When you look at it, I mean, to me, this makes sense because what have these teams lacked in in previous well, years? A partner, a multiple a partner drivers, or, who, or a second entry. Yeah, like you know, to to trade info on. So Carlin starting off having two cars, they actually had some decent results in that first season in in 2018 with Charlie Kimball. I think he had a couple of top tens. And then I think his funding kind of took a step back. He was was gone full time, you know, but the following year. I mean, they had a ragtag group of people in yeah. 2019. You had Pato Award, did a handful of races. And it, and it really took a step back when Chilton and Award both missed the Indy 500. In yeah, 2019. I think I mean, that, was... that was the the death knell for that team being able to grow. Absolutely. Again. And a, th- what, a third missed. Did it miss that was affiliated, or was it just two? Kimball is the one that made it, I okay, believe. Okay, so it was just one out of three and, and then missed. Pato and uh, Chilton missed it. And then yeah. Alonzo, who Carlin partnered with McLaren on that deal. <laughs> That's right. That also missed. That's right. That's what I was thinking of. Look, I, I, think I think this is what happens. I think Carlin is waiting to see if Max Chilton is back in. If he is... Carlin runs Max Chilton, Hunkos runs Callum Eilat, they partner up. If Max Chilton doesn't and no other money comes out of anywhere, I think this is a situation where Carlin sells to Hunkos. You know, the story 
that you know we're looking at from Marshall Pruitt says uh, it's believed a variety of options exist, ranging from a blending of the teams to purchasing assets to bolster Hunkos Hollinger Racing's fuller future growth. I feel it's contingent on the money from that Carlin's drivers bring in or don't bring in. Well, and they have, I mean, the the options that we're hearing from IndyCar Deep Throat, Connor Daly, if he doesn't return to Ed Carpenter Racing, and then someone from Europe, like F2, F3, because we know Malukas is bringing his money to Dale Coyne Racing. That's the expectation. Kirkwood is with Andretti. I mean, he's not going to be loaned out to either of those teams. Right. We don't think Linus Lundquist is going to step up. That's kind of it as far as lights, guys, that you would expect to make an IndyCar move. And there's really no one else waiting on the silence. Now, Charlie Kimball, he he ran Long Beach in a surprise. That was for Foyt. So would he be tied back in with Foyt? But he has run with Carlin before. I, I don't know how that relationship works. I just feel like there needs to be more money brought into Carlin than what Daly or Kimball could bring in at this point. I yeah, really I, feel that I way. I think so. And, you know, obviously, Hunko's getting the, the partner with Hollinger. That's going to bring in some cash, but that's just enough for that car. So to be competitive, you have to have at least two cars. I mean, that that's just how it works. We have teams that are expanding from two to, to three cars, you know, like Ray Hall, Aaron McLaren SP. We expect that to happen uh, for a third full-time car for 2023. You know, Penske's been at three or four cars for several years now. Ganassi at four cars most most of the past decade. It's just it's a necessity right. to, to have data points from two cars. You need it to survive in this league. We talk about, you know, more at some point there's an apex with the amount of teams that can be in the series because there's only 10 spots in the top 10. You know what I mean? I mean there's only so many you know wins you can get and especially if the the series continues to get stronger at the top, that means the teams at the bottom are struggling more and more and I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for Carlin unless a massive amount of capital comes in. So you need to do something. You can't survive in this series and compete week in and week out as a single-car team. I think both organizations are, are going about it the right way. They know they have to partner. It's just trying to figure out the details at this point. Well, the other interesting thing, both competed in lights, and I believe Carlin had a driver leave the season early, late, late in the year. Yeah, and just they, to preserve money. Yeah, they cut their lights team when they advanced to IndyCar a couple years ago. They brought it back last season. Hunkos already is, cut it for next year. <laughs> yeah, well, is that confirmed? I mean, I know it's rumored that they uh, sold the no, lights cars. I, I mean, I don't think it's confirmed anywhere, but I think we've seen it enough enough places that if it wasn't true, it would have been debunked at this point. That's true. And Hunkos, I mean, they, they have a lights team and one of those drivers is leaving the team stingray rob one of our favorites yeah stingray he, number two car for andretti autosport in 2022 yes sir let's go so you have some, some guys moving on you have hmd motorsports which is probably going to partner with dale coin racing uh move up from lights i'm sure they'll still keep the lights operation i mean they're they're testing guys for that chris griffiths test uh coming up this weekend in indy on the road course, 
I don't know. Do you think this collaboration happens, or do you think it's more of a Hunkos buying out Carlin? Because I tend to think it's more of the latter. That's what I'm thinking at this point. I think Carlin's still sitting here, no major movements. Or you know, we we were told just how important it was these final few months of the year. Here we are, entering November soon. Still nothing. Um, yeah, I, I just at, at this point. If I'm a betting man, if I had to, if I had to bet on whether Carlin a a Carlin car is on the grid for 2022 right now, I'm saying no. Yeah, full time, I'm saying no. Now, yeah. whether they have a a but, car or a partner car, it's still possible. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that's not, I mean I I don't know. I, I think Carlin's done. It's not like they're heavily invested in the road Indy at this point. Um, True. I, I wouldn't be surprised if when Car if and when Carlin's done an Indy car, we see them, you know, vacate the states. I don't know. I mean, uh, Trevor Carlin, I don't think is a guy to admit defeat. And maybe you know, maybe he starts small and and starts back in the road to Indy and start moving his way up. I don't know. But it, we've said it before. It, it just doesn't work. It's not working right now in Indy car. Just don't have enough money. How much is it you think the fact that their shop? isn't in Indianapolis. It doesn't help. I don't think it's the reason, but it doesn't help. Similar to AJ Foyt Racing, when they have two different shops in two different states, thousand mile, miles away from each other, <laughs> doesn't help. Uh, but particularly when you're Carlin, when you are looking at every controllable you possibly can have to help you, that's not helping, most definitely. But is it the reason, the reason? No. I mean, I I think the number one reason is just no money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it takes money to to race at this level, and I mean, you you need less money in IndyCar than you do Formula One. I get it, but you still need money, and, and quite a bit of it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be competent. I don't know what F2 budgets are, but I would still venture to guess that IndyCar is as or more expensive. Yes, it is. I thought our pal Matt Hickey last week said it's around $2 million. Which is like a third for a competent IndyCar entry. Yeah, so it's still... I mean, the the top teams have, what, 8 to $12 million a year budgets? Yeah, so it's it's still up there, you know. I mean, it's light years behind Formula One. But, yeah, F2 isn't... I would have thought F2 was more expensive, but uh, for, according to Matt Hickey, it's only a couple million dollars. Only. <laughs> yeah, only. So with Carlin and Hunkos, uh, to me, you have iLot, you have whatever happens with Carlin. Do you think it's just a two-car Hunkos team? I mean, that's where I see this heading. I could see a one full-time Hunkos uh, car with a part-time Carlin entry. I could see two full-time Hunkos. I could see one full-time Hunkos with a second for May, or at least Indy. Um, I think last on that list is Carlin full-time by itself. Yeah, and, and I don't see, again, unless they can somehow get one of these lights guys to switch teams, and I don't see that happening. I mean, Kirkwood, DeFrancesco, Malukas all seem to be locked in with their respective teams that they're you know moving up with yeah i just i don't see an option i mean that was to me i always thought okay carlin's hope is if they can get malukas to come in bring his money or de francesco to come in bring his money that's not gonna happen nope so 
I hope they can get something figured out because what they have done since coming in, I mean, they they start off in lights. They have won a lights title. They bring in an F1 guy in Chilton, wins a lights race, which I respect him a lot for going to lights before stepping up to IndyCar. That, yeah. that was a very, very nice move on his and the team's part. And let's not forget, I mean, he had a successful debut in the Indy 500, led the most laps in, what, 2016, was it? So he he can race. It's just, you know, is it time for the team to move on from Max? You know, what? Yes. What is? <laughs> <laughs> but they can. He holds the you know financial strings of this entire organization at this point. Well, his, I mean, his dad is like yeah, but, you know, what I mean. partner in the team. And his dad's not going to fund anybody else but Max in the car. That's probably true. So, <laughs> so they're going to have to, I mean, again, who was the F2 guy that's going to come over and, and bring a, a big budget? Because remember Logan Sargent, right. who was set to test with Foyt the other week, he got a Williams, what, development deal yeah, or whatever? Yeah, he could be a reserve driver for them. And reportedly to be an F2 driver next year, according to Chris Medlin of Racer.com. So... Man, we'll see what happens. I'm just not feeling very confident they're going to be on the grid as far as the Carlin that we know it next year. Well, here's something as I look into the F2 calendar, uh, look and try to find drivers that potentially could go over. The calendar for F2 is only eight races. Part of that is a couple uh, cancellations, but, you know, $2 million for eight races is kind of a lot of money. So, um, you know, you expand that out to 17, 18 races. It's pretty comparable to IndyCar then when you look at it. But, um, you know, in terms of guys that would be interested in F2, I don't don't even know. I mean, Dan Tictum is the one guy that I recognized, and he's being talked about for who? I think there's a team. I think it's Foyt. Oh, yeah, I did see that a few weeks back. I don't know if that's really going anywhere. I mean, he was a former Red Bull guy, correct? Right. Uh, he's fourth in the standings right now for F2. But other than that, I don't know anything. I've not heard of any of these guys, nor the, I mean, Piastri or whatever uh, guy. Theo Porsche. Oh, he's he's rumored for one of the F1 seats. And if not, he'd be a reserve driver. Yeah. I mean, you get uh, you got Christian Lungard in there sitting at 11th in the standings. Um, but yeah, by, by and large, I'm not seeing any of these guys coming over. Oscar Piastri, mm-hmm. Australia. He's he's a Renault guy, I yeah. believe, or Alpine, and he'll probably just be a reserve driver or even do F2 again. Yeah, he's an Alpine <laughs> guy. Uh, Guan Yu Zhao from he's China. He's rumored for Alfa Romeo. You know a lot more than you were giving on about <laughs> F2. Uh, he serves as a test driver of the Alpine team right now. Um, Robert Schwartzman is in third. This kid looks like he's like 15 years old. <laughs> Not to be confused with the uh, actor Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, his kid's 22. He's from Russia. Well, he was born in Israel. Hmm. Not heard of him. No. But yeah, uh, Zhao, I, I believe, was one of the possibilities for that second Alfa Romeo seat. You know, there's Giovinazzi, there's Zhao, and then at one time, Colton Herta. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to mention this guy's name, because I want to say it, Yuri Vips is in sixth place. That's a fun name. Yeah, from Estonia. 
You don't see very many Estonian race car drivers. But you, you do not. No, but I would love to see Yuri Vips in America. But you know, but other than Tiktum, none of those guys have really been mentioned to come over. So I, I don't think there's very many options, at least in F two for Carlin. What about Carlin's you know, they have an F three team, correct? They, they do. I, I'm just curious who are the drivers there if they're recognizable Let's at all. Let's see. Let's and take a look. Could maybe be an option. Carlin depending F3, on their level of success. A championship. Let's look. There's an Ido Cohen from Israel. Kalen Frederick from the United States. Well, that's interesting. Uh, Johnny Edgar from England. And Jake Hughes from England. So, I mean, have they won races? They have podiums? I mean, what's their success? Kalen Frederick right now is in, let me see, well, 22nd. Okay, so that's that's that a non-starter. <laughs> Their top guy right now in Formula 3. Ooh, hold on. I'm um, going down a lot. Let's see. Uh, it'd be Cohen or Edgar, because they've both raced all of the races. Um, their top guy right now in Formula 3 is 18th. So that's not an option. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say so. Well, so much for that. All right. <laughs> well, it's way in the weeds with F2 and F3, yeah. but we have no answers for yeah. Carlin. Sorry. Apologies. Well, Back around to Max Chilton. <laughs> so shifting, I guess, to, to lights because we have a, lo a lot of lights news. First off, a calendar shift, and this just makes too much sense. Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com, the article... Uh, the light schedule should arrive in the coming days. So as we record this Thursday night, October 28th, you know, we could have this by the weekend. Um, but we expect the two or more races per event will be the most prominent change. Uh, Penske told Racer we're going to go to 11 markets, two races at Indianapolis, two in Detroit, two at Laguna Seca at the end of the year. All other races will be single races. Smart. Yes. And I mean, right now, you had 20 races this year in Indy Lights. To me, that's too many. And I'm bad at math, so what does this get? You have two at Indy, two in Detroit, two at Laguna Seca, and then eight other markets with one. So what is that? 14. Uh, 13? Oh, yeah, 14. 14. That saves a lot of money. It's always fun when I have to do math on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um. They're going to have a pair of oval venues, Iowa, yeah, that'd Gateway be good. as well. Those should be good. I get that everyone wants them to run the Freedom 100, but that's not happening with Roger Penske in charge. It just it is yeah, what it is. Yeah, it's just, I mean, to go to Mid-Ohio once and then to come around at the end of the season and do it again is just, uh, just dumb. So in a true developmental series, look, and I don't blame Dan Peterson for doing that because – you know, he basically was in control of it. I'm sure more races meant more money for him. Um, so True. he's just, you know, he's trying to be a promoter and, and, you know, make some money. So now that it's under IndyCar, now that it can be a truly developmental series, it doesn't need to be running more races than IndyCar does. Uh, it needs to be partnered with IndyCar as much as possible. And so I think that's 
you know, kind of the priorities, I think, going into 2022. And then I think slowly you'll see other initiatives done to really make this not as big as Xfinity, but filling that role. And 15 cars is kind of like the the goal. They expect 15 or more for 2022. And that, I think, will help quite a bit as well. I mean, you get bigger fields. You have, you know, you take out the Freedom 100 like they did this year. I think that helped with the fields. Now, whether people think that's true or not, I mean, I think it, it helped. Yeah. It just it makes so much sense because that was an expensive race. I mean, you could completely ruin a tub and that's it yeah so Game over 15 plus cars would be excellent for next year and we're already seeing announcements you know we have stingray robin andretti tj speed announcing a driver uh, as well a few days ago and that would be kiffin simpson i believe yeah so he will be with tj speed and what i found interesting in the team's announcement is that it would be one of one of their cars. Okay. They said so, first driver concern uh, confirmed. Kiffin so that Simpson. means there would be multiple. Exactly. Right? And we already expect you know what four from Andretti, at least two to four from HMD and Global Motorsports Group. You know, Hunkos, do they come back? Carlin, do they come back? Probably not for Carlin Hunkos. Right. I'd say. If they can get guys with funding, they'll definitely come back. Yeah. That's what they um, seem to do. Yep. Um, there was one that wrote, ran the Sarah Valley. The Oh, yeah. He ran his own team, right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Sarah Racing. Yeah. So, so that's, an, that's another name, and we'll maybe. see if he comes back as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think 15. 15 would be good to start because through attrition in terms of running out of money or just you know having money and not wasting it when you're ninth in the points, it'll probably shrink to you know 12-ish by the end of the season. You don't want to start at 12 and have nine by the end of the year. And then we have the Chris Griffiths Memorial Open Test coming up this week in IMS. Ernie Francis Jr. will be in an HMD car. Matthew Brabham will test a lights car for Andretti. That's interesting. He's been competing in the stadium super trucks for a couple of years. Yeah, having he's raced the 500. Success. Yeah, raced 500 in 2016. So that's cool. Would love to see him back in IndyCar, let alone a lights ride. So a couple of interesting names to keep in mind there for the test. And then due to projected bad weather uh, Friday, IndyCars moved the plan series test for Kyle Kirkwood, David Malukas, and Linus Lundquist on the road course to Monday. Again, they're keeping everything as planned Saturday and Sunday. That's something to keep an eye on this weekend. A couple other driver notes that I want to get to. I don't know how we forgot to talk about this, but Stoffel Van Dorn testing with Aero McLaren SP. Now, there's not a set test date and track, but this is another name, and this is a guy who I believe was rumored for IndyCar. Now, not strong rumors but those foreign translated articles rumors a couple years ago when <laughs> alonzo and those rumors for him being full-time right he has been uh with mclaren in f1 in 2017 and 18 before he left then he's been a race winner in formula e uh, for the mercedes eq team runner-up in lmp2 at lamal and he's a mercedes test driver for f1 and he's also been a mclaren reserve driver as well so He's got kind of got his his hand in a lot of different things. 
but uh, this this would be another interesting uh, move. Whoever has left Formula One in the last three years, just pencil them in for an IndyCar test at this point. Especially if they have McLaren ties, right? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And you know, you know, doesn't mean all these guys are going to be in the series. Maybe sometime, maybe. I mean, when it came to Nico Hulkenberg, it was more. He doesn't even know if he'd be interested. Yeah, let's just do a test and see how it goes. Not, hey, we're testing you to put you in the car. It was Nico being, hey, can I test to just see what it feels like? So Stoffel Van Dorn could be similar. Who knows? And this is the article where Taylor Kyle, as we referenced earlier about running that third car, he says, we've been public in saying that our ambition is to be a three-car team in 23. So I think we're looking at 22 as a bridge year. So we're not committing to anything at this point, but we're evaluating all options at the same time. And he did add, in an ideal scenario, we'd run as many races as we can do. And that's talking about three cars. But again, it's got to be the right fit from a personnel and a driver point of view. It's not financially motivated. So that gives us a lot of flexibility in decision making. That is the key part. So it doesn't sound like they need a driver to come in and, and bring a hefty amount of sponsorship. Kind of like what we saw with you know, the entries for Ray Hall, we thought, okay, well, how's Jack Harvey? You know, he's leaving Meyer Shank. He must have something lined up, and he did, and it yeah. was the high V ride. And then we were told that the third third car, I mean, it was taken care of financially, and then they liked Lungard so much. And to be fair, Lungard had a fast six and finished top 12 in his only start. I mean, that's very impressive for a debut. And he probably brings a hefty amount of money from Alpine, but he also had the results on the track to to back up in his only start. And not bringing money is fine, but if you do bring money, that sure as heck doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's it's a bonus. Yeah, (laughs) definitely a bonus. So uh, I I guess, I I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Hulkenberg and... Stoffel Van Dorn in IndyCar, you know, next year, let alone ever. Right. But seeing this sea change of drivers from across the pond being interested is kind of fascinating, right as F1 has gotten more popular. And it doesn't hurt when, even if they're not filling seats during the season, these drivers are getting behind the seat or behind the, the, the wheel and spinning laps with Nico Hulkenberg saying, yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, sitting in an Indy car and, and testing was fun. That gets around. And same with uh, Stoffel Van Dorn. So even if we don't see him in the series, I feel it's advantageous to IndyCar to get these guys at least in a test. Yes. And the interest, I mean, it's with those guys, it's opening up a lot of opportunities or at least opening the channels of communication for guys who are stuck in F2 and F3 who want to find an option and actually get seat time. You know, Lungard was, was a guy who basically is on borderline and getting shut out from moving up to F1, so he, he takes the IndyCar ride. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Yeah, I, I, I agree, most definitely. Then the other thing on the team side, this is not really a surprise, But confirmation from Roger Penske, he will not run four cars in 2022. The thing that I did find curious was that they will not have a fourth Indy 500 entry either. And that's because they have that Porsche factory LMDH prototype effort uh, for IMSA and the World Endurance Championship. I believe that starts in 2023. 
and they would do uh, testing for that as they ramp up that team. I think a lot of people kind of wonder, well, where's the sponsorship going to go as far as Simon's, you know, Menard's sponsorship, and I would just assume that would be thrown on to either Scott or Joseph's cars. What do you think came first, Caleb? Mm-hmm. Team Penske deciding to go to three cars for 2022 or Team Penske deciding to get to not re-sign Simon Pagno and then go to three cars? Do you think they decided to go to three cars for next year and then decided, okay, we need to cut one of these guys, or did they decide they didn't want Simon anymore first? I think it was kind of simultaneous in the fact that, you know, how this lays it out. Penske says, Simon's contract was up. We talked to him about coming over and joining us in sports cars, but he said, look, I'd like to see what's out there from an IndyCar perspective and found something with a Meyer Shank team. It didn't sound like there were any hard feelings with this uh, on the quotes that Roger said. I think it was when Penske got the, the sports car, the Porsche factory deal, you know, kind of like what they had with Ellie a few years ago, with the Acura deal or, or IMSA. That's what they thing. did when they pulled out of IMSA, right, is when they ad- added a fourth car. Yeah. So with them going in now with this, it makes sense that they shrink the three cars. Well, that so, way you keep everyone on the job. Yeah. And you just shuffle guys and yeah. gals around, uh, onto different teams. So I, I wonder. I wonder, if, you know, chicken or the egg type thing, what came first? I'm not really sure. I think it was he unfortunately had his contract up, so that was the easiest option. And because he's a sports car driver as well and been successful in sports cars, they gave him that opportunity, but he still wanted to run IndyCar, rightfully so, because he's. it's not like he... You know, when Elio was kind of forced over to the sports car side, he was a lot older. I mean, right. Simon is, is what? What is he, like 30? Uh, he's actually older. 35 or 36? 30, yeah, 35, 36, 37. He is 37. Okay, so he is, he is getting up he there. He is getting up there. But, I mean, he's still competitive. To be fair, he could have said the same about Elio. I mean, he had won a race, and wasn't he fourth in points in his final full-time yeah. year with Penske? <laughs> and you know that 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 door could be open in the future, right? I mean, I I just think Simon wants to make at least one more full time season run and then see where it goes. And with Elio, I mean, he wanted to stay in the Penske family and have those opportunities, where Simon wanted to stay in IndyCar. I mean, that was kind of the choice. And and Elio got you know more Indy five hundred starts and opportunities, but he eventually left. You know, once his sports car contract was up, he was out. Yep, he was. So, um, it's gonna. It's. I think we had gotten used to four cars, so even though it was only for a couple of years. So, but considering Penske's the lone team set to contract for 2022, that's pretty impressive. So far, <laughs> so far, yeah. so far. I mean, we don't know. I mean, it's still kind of weird. We don't have official confirmation on Marcus Erickson, right? No. I kind of find that puzzling. A little bit. We, we expect him to be back, but we haven't really seen an official announcement from the team saying he'll be back in 2022. That's a guy who won two races. What was he, like fifth, sixth in points? Yeah, most definitely. That one is is very surprising to me. 
But, Likewise. But whatever. You know, I'm sure they're working on it, and it, it could just be a They better be working deal. on it. Well, time's running out. The offseason's shorter. <laughs> we don't have as much time to fill. <laughs> yeah, right? The other team-related news, I found this to be fascinating. So Cusick Motorsports, that was the partner on Stefan Wilson's Indy 500 ride with Andretti Autosport. They announced Bank Social as a partner. They're defining the movement to blockchain for finance, changing banking as we know it. And they will be partnering with us for the Indy 500. And then Stefan Wilson, um, you know, quote tweeted that as well. Said, looking forward to representing them on the track next season. We know that he is interested, uh, talking Don Cusick, in partnering with an existing IndyCar team. Could this be an option for, you know, a Carlin, a Hunkos, um, I don't even know where, you know, a, a Foyt, even a third yeah, car? Potentially. I just, you, you know, think Coin would run three? I don't, I don't think so. No. I mean, the, the further we go with off-season testing and if we don't see them on track or even like, you know, prefabbing, put a, together a car or some cockpit shots, like until we see that, I'm really not taking it seriously yet. That's me. Yeah, kind of, kind of hard to disagree. We know that they were interested in switching to Ray Hall. Would not expect him to be back in Andretti for next year, based on what IndyCar Deep Throat has told us. So that's another team name, another driver to keep an eye on as the offseason moves along. But we're at that point where, if you don't get stuff wrapped up by what Christmas, you're really Ooh. scrambling to put things together because St. Pete's two weeks earlier and it's in late February. Yeah. So you don't have till mid-March to get your ducks in a row. So no TBA for Dale Coin on the opening weekend. That's probably <laughs> not going to happen no. this time. All right. Well, if you agree or disagree with uh, what we've had to say on any of this, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us online, the website, NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, do us a favor. Subscribe to our weekly email list so you never miss an episode. You can interact with us on social media as well. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us, just search for New Track Record. You can email us as well. It is New Track Record Podcast at gmail.com. As always, send us your questions, comments, rants, complaints, manifestos, what have you. <laughs> we'll send read it them all. Uh, our way. And while you're on the website, check out the store. We have stickers for sale as well so you can uh, support the podcast. We'd appreciate it. And as always, you can follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you follow your podcasts for free. Napster? <laughs> no. LimeWire? No. Okay. I don't think we're on those platforms. Oh. What was the other one? Isn't there another? Yeah. I, I can't think of what it is. I only used the first two. <laughs> can't remember the last one. So with that, we are uh, now ready. Time. Yeah. Way <laughs> different time. Ready for... The mailbag, and we actually have a lot of tweets to get to this week. All right, let's Thanks go. Thanks to everyone for all of their comments and questions and contributions. First one from Tyler underscore Allen. Wonder what car Menards will be going on. I can't imagine them going anywhere. It'd be cool to see it on just New Garden's car and seeming commercials. Yeah, I think New Garden or McLaughlin. I mean, I don't think it's going to be power. Now, wasn't there a rumor that Verizon might scale back? Either way, I think it stays with Penske, right? I don't think it's going to another team. Right. I would agree. Most definitely. I feel it stays. All right. Moving forward. 
this uh, with Stoffel Von Dorn, uh, Von Dorn, Van Dorn. That is, I don't know why. I just I can't say his name. It, it's it is a, a struggle. <laughs> uh, Poet Shevchenko. It feels like everyone and their brother is testing an IndyCar these days. Nick J. Fletcher. I guess it's safe to say that Mercedes is the third OEM now. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. N.K. Harden. I think Nigel Mansell and Jackie Stewart are getting tests in November. Jean mm-hmm. Girard is in after that. Uh, Aaron McLaren SP is open for business. Yep, we yep. have more on uh, more on that in a bit. That sparked a, a great idea by yours truly on who we'll be testing next. And uh, let's see here. I mentioned John Alessi might have <laughs> contract issues with Lotus, though. That also from NK mm-hmm, Harden. All yeah, right, he could still be under contract. Yeah, <laughs> here's the big one. So with Van Dorn now set to test with Aaron McLaren SP, who do you want to see test in any car next? 37% of you said Ricky Bobby. <laughs> 25% said other, and we have a ton of replies to get to on that. And 19% of you each said Jean Girard and Mark Plourd. Very nice. So well represented, but Ricky Bobby, the runaway. Now, on the <laughs> other category, so many entries, and some of these are just awesome. Uh, Poet Shevchenko, I see people choosing Mark Plourd, but that is wrong. He offers tests for his exclusive team, and no one has been worthy of one yet. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher said, wait, Jean Girard already announced he's driving for Shank? <laughs> uh, P. Gaynor 14 said, I'd love to see that up-and-comer Jimmy Bly get a chance. That's great. Uh, Scuba Steve 85, Jean Girard, we haven't had a Formula One champion in IndyCar since Mansell. It's about time again. That's awesome. Oh, man. Uh, Autosport Lab uh, said Michelle Vailant is much better than Grosjean or Pagano with a, a wink face. So mm-hmm. that must be an actual driver, right? Or no? Am I missing a joke? I don't know. I don't know this one. M I C H E L and then like Vale, like Colorado, then L A N T. That is the uh, driver. It's name. a movie. It's a let's see. It's a movie. Michelle okay. Vailant was the movie. Oh, um, French, a 2003 French movie uh, depicts events around the 24 hours of Le Mans. There we go. How about that? Nice. That, that's out of left field. That's a French film starring Sagamore Stevenine. I mean, good job. And your, your guess at the is box as good as, office. Good as Budget mine. was 26 million, made only seven, just over seven mil. Oof. Uh, you contributed Dick Trickle Jr. Good choice. Uh, Indy Oreo, John Oriovitz said a lot of knowledgeable Mark Plur fans out there, but let's get his wife into a car. That's true. Remember, she was part of that, <laughs> yes, that original team. That's right. Uh, Daniel SEM 2004 said Rowdy Gaines. <laughs> uh, left underscore brigade Giovanazzi. Not sure he has a future in F1 anymore, but still think uh, he has massive talent. That was a serious reply. We still accept We don't have those. time for those. We, we accept those. <laughs> uh, Racer Mac RTP1 said Joe Tonto. Of course, uh, somebody had to see. say Tonto. Exactly. Uh, JSH Will said Cole Trickle. Let him drive. He won't make a fool out of you. <laughs> uh, also, JT Petrie said Cole Trickle in a return to open wheels. Hey. <laughs> uh, Ian French 13 said Crusher, it's time to call Joe Tonto. Also, he sent uh, Cal Naughton. Would be a good call. Just want to see the matching man throws out baby rabbits. I wonder if he would run that past any car officials first. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a lot of great responses on that one. These on the Hunkos and Carling collaboration. Hunter's Way 67 says, if this collaboration can help Hunkos Hollinger Racing and keep Carlin around, I'm all for it. 
Zach Hurley 8771 tweeting, interesting, this could help Eilat, which is nice. would be a tough being a rookie in a brand-new standalone team. And I think that's the key. You know, you, that is a tough ask for Eilat. Not having a teammate, he at least got the three starts, and the results don't show it, but I thought he proved himself worthy last yeah. into last season. He didn't draw attention to himself in a negative in, in, in the negative. So no, not good. at all. Yeah. And then uh, C. Clinkin says, am I crazy or would this be a perfect spot for Connor Daly? Two teams he's got great relationships with, Joe Verhunkos and Junior Formula. Could be a great experience asset for the technical program in Eilat. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, if he cannot stay at Ed Carpenter Racing and, and he can work a deal to be with whatever this mergification team is called and what they are, he, I believe he won... Back when it was Pro Mazda, I think he won the Pro Mazda Championship yeah. in like 2009 or 10 with Hunkos. And obviously he's raced with Carlin uh, running the ovals past couple of seasons. So, yeah, I think he'd be an excellent fit uh, for Connor Daly if he does not stay on at ECR. I would definitely agree. A couple of other contributions on the uh, the, the test. Uh, Atlanta Cat 99 said Jamie Chadwick, the – Two-time W Series uh, reigning champion. It is disappointing she did not show up on the Chris uh, Griffiths Memorial Test list for for any yeah. of the series. I was kind of surprised. Maybe at that. different plans for her? I don't know. We haven't heard much. Yeah. And then uh, the Big Cat Benson tweeting, "It's too late, but Brewster Baker or Stroker Ace would have been perfect." <laughs> And, okay, let's see if we have any more of these left. I think that is it as far as just the the responses on, you know, the fictitious driver. Oh, too bad. Good job, everyone. Yes, that was that was great. Still, still have more to get to in the mailbag. Poet Shevchenko on the Andretti deal ending, according to racers Chris Medlin. It will live on in all our hearts, the racer mailbag, every Wednesday into perpetuity. (laughs) (laughs) Coming back here in a couple weeks. Yep. Get excited. For sure. And you tweeted this, uh, which celebrity that spurns Martin Brunel will finally make him snap? (laughs) And Poet Shevchenko says, uh, Patrick Dempsey knows racing, goes racing, will interview about a race. Jeremy from HBG tweeting, Lady Gaga, better than any celeb in F1. Her time at any few years ago was top-notch. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, she was good. She she was... uh, very into it. Um, and then off-season storylines for IndyCar. Uh, Jensen EV saying, I related, Andretti is purchasing Sauber. It's a done deal except for a minor issue. Now being told that the deal is off the table completely. No sale. Then Andretti now has an 80% controlling stake in the team, which he made a bid for. Sauber definitely under management. <laughs> the, the whole thing is just... Changes. Yeah. This went from done deal to deals off to there's still a chance to... Oh, they're going to talk at Coda to, oh, they'll talk at Mexico, and now it's just gone silent. Yep. Um, it's disappointing. I, I was really I was looking, looking forward, forward to actually having another, an actual rooting interest in Formula One. I actually watch it, and I'm just like, I mean, I kind of root for McLaren. Same. But I root for McLaren just because of the IndyCar tie-in. Yeah, like it would be nice to have another team to actually root for. You know what I mean? And have a more of a vested personal interest, a true American team, and a, a team that you know could probably would have an American driver as well. Yes, 
Most definitely. So as always, send us your tweets, your emails, your Facebook messages, snail mail as well. Yes. All of those acceptable for the mailbag. All right. News and notes. Not a lot to get to here just because, well, we covered all of it and all the testing news. I mean, that was pretty much the week. Testing, testing, testing. A lot of testing. In the words of Alan Iverson, we're talking about practice. <laughs> we're talking about testing. That's right. But it's all we have right now. That's true. And we'll have more testing next week. Yes. <laughs> Simon Pagano with an interesting tweet. I don't know if you caught this one, Justin. I did not. So we discussed the other week about the Monterey Board of Directors approving some Laguna track improvements. Uh-huh. And discussed was the repave. Now, that wasn't formally approved because that was going to come at a multi-million dollar cost. They just approved, what, $780,000 worth of work, roughly? Okay. Yeah. Or like that new crossover bridge. Right, yeah, the one that's uh, you know, falling apart. So Simon replying to Marshall Pruitt's article on that, saying, okay, but please don't resurface. It will make the racing boring because it is worn tires where drivers can get creative with lines. It's one of the best... Uh, tracks we race at right now please don't change the surface there you go that says a lot coming from from a driver so and i found y- that interesting and you i will you know it was much racier than we anticipated it being and probably a lot of that has to go with the surface so how much of that goes away if they resurface it true and two years ago when they came back the race was a complete bore now colton Herta dominated both races to be fair but 2019 was nowhere near the level of competitiveness as 2021 yeah absolutely so hopefully a little bit more more people show up for next year but it it was a good race all right i know we discussed this kind of had a curiosity factor i will admit i did not watch any of it did you catch any of the indie autonomous challenge i did not so a team out of germany won it that's right so tu munchen um some German yeah, words there. I'm not going to pretend to know what's, what's going on. <laughs> They're the winning team. They win the million-dollar prize. Uh, Nathan Brown of the SAR has a good write-up of it. I believe they had a, a lap at 124 miles an hour and 129 miles an hour, and they they took home the prize. Nine teams competed, a lot less compared to what we expected well, due to the pandemic. Yeah, I think like a lot of them entered, but you have to go through a series of checkpoints. Like you sign up and then you have to come up with a plan and then you have to build the car. Like there's different things. And I think as each of them went, teams fell out. And these were all college students, right? Uh, the teams yeah, were college. I, I mean, so, yeah. some of them combined, you know, right. not just in the U.S., but I mean, international. You had. International uh, universities competing in this. Obviously, the the German team that won. So, congrats to them. Now, th- maybe this is a stupid question. Like, uh, is somebody? Is it like remote controlled steered, or is, is it the car itself is steering itself? So they have sensors. I know that, but beyond that, I'm not going to pretend to. Okay. Truly know how this really worked i'm just for some reason i'm picturing that kid and honey i shrunk the kids that's mowing the lawn in the backyard with that giant remote like uh, giant handheld control with uh, that's just what i'm picturing they're driving these cars around with kids like this up in the uh up in the uh spotter boxes 
driving this thing. But uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if it's somebody steering them or it's the car steering itself. So according to Nathan Brown's article, the tech included sensors monitoring chassis motion, the car's suspension, tires, and powertrain to make cars pull out of pit lane, build speed, brake, devise the driving line, avoid obstacles, and gauge track conditions to decide just how close to the limits to push. So it's basically the brain of the car is deciding what it's doing. And stu- uh, that students from Clemson University's Department of Automotive Engineering, they partnered with Delara and ESN, and I'm not sure who ESN is. I mean, I know people will be like, I'll bring back the Freedom 100, but I'd watch some, you know, Computer cars go around on carb day. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of cool. It's a unique thing. I mean, they were expecting to do like a race, right? But then the pandemic kind of limited. This is more like a qualifying sim. And $120 million approximately invested by sponsors to make this, this possible. So. I mean, I think one team had a fast lap time of over 150 miles an hour, then they crashed the next lap. But, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. those lights cars, you can get up to nearly 200 miles per hour, you know, with a human driving them. Definitely. What they're able to do, and this is the first go-round, I don't know if this is returning next year. I haven't, I haven't heard anything, but I hope it is. It seems like it got a good response. Yeah, I've not heard anything as far as that aspect, but it's at least something to keep an eye on. And I'm not saying it's going to replace racing because i i don't think it is i don't think people need to be concerned this is just more of a testing technology and and it's building it and it's you know when we talk about innovation you know when we look on driverless cars and autonomous cars like this is actual technology that's being taken onto the road the esn president and ceo said i do not think this is a one-off event we're thinking about what those future event opportunities are but we need to get through today there you go. And Mark Miles said he'd entertain the thought of an autonomous racing showcase as a support event during an IndyCar weekend down the line. There you go. So See? future ideas are there, but I think this is a unique event to develop technology. And uh, Hunkos partnered with to help out on, on this project as well. That's pretty cool. So f- one-off event so far, but obviously we can expect uh, yeah, more expect to come in the future. Enough of a response from people that I think it'll go... Go ahead. It will come back. All right. And a couple other notes. Not not a whole lot else to get to, but uh, Grand Prix of Portland announcing that Portland ticket renewals will begin Tuesday, November 2nd, 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time. They say keep an eye on your email for more information on how to renew. And there's a good article by Marshall Prude of Racer.com on the Meyershank Racing Crew Chief Matt Swan, his son, and and – uh, some details on how the Indy 500 win became even more special. So be sure to check that out on racer.com. All right, that that covers uh, news and notes. Justin, do we have uh, anything else that we missed before we move forward? I do not think so. I think we covered the gamut of IndyCar news. All right, with that, it is time for our random split era driver of the week. All right, we uh, as we do here... At New Track Record Podcast, we look at our random split era driver of the week. We alternate between IRL and CART, and it's CART this week, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going with Norberto Fontana. 
Ooh, what a um, name. Yeah, Norberto Fontana, who I also believe was the uh he just sounds like he'll he'll be in the uh uh, like a mob movie. Yeah, sounds like a villain. Yeah, he absolutely does. It's like you know Scarface Two with Norberto Fontana, but he raced in the 2000 kart season. Mr. Norberto Fontana raced for Della Pena. I remember that team name. Della Pena Motorsports uh, competed in the in the Atlantic's IndyCar and Kart Series from 1990 to 2000, and it was founded by Argentinian businessman and engineer John Della. Pena, who himself raced in Formula Atlantics during the 1980s, brought in Norberto Fontana as part of his 2000 team. He made, let's see, eight starts from Miami to Toronto in the year 2000. Never finished in the top 10, had an 11th at Cleveland and a 14th at Detroit, 15th at Long Beach. But, um, that was it. Mid-season, he was replaced. Let's see what Della Pena went, went with after that. Um, they replaced Norberto Fontana and with Mimo, Mimo Gidley. Gidley, yeah. Yep, Jason Bright also getting a random start. He could be a good one down the road. Um, Why was Fontana withheld from Milwaukee in 2000? That's a very good question. Maybe we should take a look at that, but let's look in uh, the year 2000. Let's see if it says anything. About it. Let's see. I don't see anything here. Talking about 1997, because he did race in four Grand Prix in Formula, in Formula One. One. Oh, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's fancy. Um, but I can't find anything. It says uh, attempted comebacks. He was considered as a driver for the dying Tyrell team in 1998 uh, for Formula One. Uh, and signed a draft contract, but did not sign the final contract as the owners. British American Tobacco had vetoed the suggestion. They didn't want Norberto Fontana in the car, uh, apparently. Um, tested with Minority in 1999, and that went away. So, unsure about why he withdrew from Milwaukee. So, uh, I'm I'm looking on Racing Reference just to see if we can get an answer on this. Okay. He did and race in 1997. Get this. this not is, in the box score. Uh, this, this is the team that he raced for in 1997 in Formula One. The Red Bull Sauber Patronus team. What? There's a lot with that. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, and now look at it. It's three completely different teams, you know. Uh, Red Bull Sauber Patronus team. It was a Sauber chassis Patronus engine is what he raced a uh, couple ninths at, uh, let's see, Silverstone and Hockenheim were his best finishes. But um, wait, it, in in '97 it was called that was the team name. Red I didn't even Bull, know Red Bull existed. Entrant then. said Red Bull Sauber Patronus in 1997. That was the team. Fascinating, isn't it? So I had no idea the, that was yeah, the... Yeah, it was the Red Bull Sauber Patronus team. Constructor was Sauber Patronus. So, yeah, Red Bull must have been... Red Bull was came into being in 1984, Caleb. Really? It was founded in 1984. So now, whether in, it was making drinks in 1984, I'm not sure. In that 97 season, so you had Arrows, Williams, Prost, Sauber, Jordan, Tyrell, Minardi... Stewart, Lola, and Forti. 
Yeah, that's a who's your, who. As your team names, I mean, obviously some of those still exist, but when you look at at, at the teams and the, you know, const- see if I can find the constructors standings, Jacques Villeneuve was the champion in uh-huh. 97. There you go. Uh, Post-Formula One, uh, Norberto Fontana, he decided to dro- join Formula Nippon over in Japan and uh, won at Fiji. Uh, let's see. Went into Argentine touring car racing and uh, did the Dakar Rally in 2011. But his only starts in open wheel racing in Carton it was 2000 with Della Pena. So eight races, his best finish 11th at Cleveland. He finished 28th that year in points because they did the the funky points, I think, like with uh, Formula One. So he only had two points. Well, and like the... You know they change. They've changed the points multiple times. Like it used to be, only what the top six were in the points top in F one, and, I and think it was now like, it's top ten. Yeah, but I think in cart because he only finished with two points in cart. Yeah, in cart didn't score past top twelve, ten or twelve. I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think his only points were those two at Cleveland. If they do top twelve, but um, and that was it. Um, his 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 opportunity to race in Formula One came as a result of two separate injuries. By Sauber driver Gianni Morbidelli, um, he during the 1997 European Grand Prix, Fontana had gained attention for apparently blocking Jacques Villeneuve to let rival Michael Schumacher pull away. So spicy, yeah. So, but um, only appeared in eight races in kart, four races in Formula One. Still with us, born January 20th, 1975. He never scored a championship point in Formula 1, but he scored two in kart. So this week's random split-era driver of the week, Mr. Norberto Fontana. There we go. Another another week, another driver I've never heard of. Mission accomplished. At least I've heard of the team. Yes. I feel like that's a start. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a, a team that was around for a while, as you mentioned. So I, I had heard of the team. Most of the time, I've never heard of the team either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're we're uh, we got plenty more to come. Don't worry. Yeah, we're, we're not we going to run out for like yeah. two or three years. Absolutely. <laughs> there may even be repeats because by then I, I'd forget. Like, yeah, <laughs> That's I, why I started we, had to make a list because never we never talked about this guy. Yeah, you know, but you know, we'll reach that point, Caleb, where it's not just the obscure drivers we don't know, but the obscure drivers that we always joke around with. Eventually, you're going to have to do Dr. Jack Miller. Yes, absolutely. You're not going to have to do Jeff Treadway. Uh, You're you're going to have to do, uh, man, I'm I'm trying to do Tice Carlson, Jimmy Kite, Billy Boat. Oh, yeah. Billy Boat's not, I don't think Billy Boat would qualify as random, though. Yeah, it's tough. That's Um, it's like where do you draw the line, right? But don't worry, folks. We got plenty more to get to before we have to consider Billy Boat. I feel like Buzz Calkins would be more random than yeah. I would know, agree. Besides the fact that he's just a, a, a trivia question answer. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just give gifts that keeps on giving. All right, so he's that the is the most our... random guy to win an IndyCar race ever. Well, no, did, didn't did he even win a race? I thought, I thought he, he won, won a, a championship, but he didn't win a race. I thought he won a race. Yeah, he's got to win. Okay, what did he win? Atlanta, Disney, uh, oh. Charlotte. He won. I just looked it up. He won at Walt Disney World in his first ever IRL start. Well, wasn't it the first ever IRL race? Well, true. <laughs> Am I correct there? <laughs> yeah, but he never raced, but he didn't race in IndyCar before that. 
or cart. Was he, he was in three years of Indy Lights? Okay, so that is impressive. So he won his first start, won the championship. Of course, it's only three races, um, and then never won again. But yeah, you get a bonus there with Buzz Calkins, <laughs> who turned fifty this year, by the way. Wow. Yeah, there you go. More more info than you can imagine. And probably wanted. <laughs> also true. <laughs> All right. Tweets of the week, and it's really just tweet of the week. One tweet, thought this was great. Uh, HMD Motorsports tweeting, hey, Jamie Chadwick, W Series Racing, call us? Question mark. Hey. Again, that's why I thought they, they might try to put something together, but maybe the, the call was never made. Yeah, maybe they're uh, they're waiting. But at, at what point do you have a two-time W Series champion? I mean... What's she going to do? I right? mean, Formula E, maybe? I mean, she's a developmental driver for Williams. So that sounds familiar, huh? Yeah. Logan Sargent. You you would think, though, eventually she'd get an opportunity elsewhere. I would think she doesn't want to look elsewhere until maybe she gets a F1 test, maybe? I don't and, know. And maybe that will happen this offseason. Yeah, hopefully for her. I mean, if they truly race as one... <laughs> True. <laughs> they give them opportunities. We shall see. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll recap uh, some of the takeaways from the Chris Griffiths Memorial Open Test this week in IMS and also the top three in lights from last year or, well, last season. Kyle Kirkwood, David Malukas, and Linus Lundquist getting their IndyCar official test. I mean, some of them have already tested IndyCars, obviously, in this offseason. But that'll be Monday at IMS as well. So we'll recap that and the latest IndyCar news, rumors, and more. That is next week. As always, for Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.